what's what's the latest update how was last week i was gone so last week was okay uh personally i had a decent week yeah it, it was okay i had last week i didn't do quite as well as a couple previous weeks but it was not bad it's yeah, been tough it's been super slow it's just been tough that's really what it is. I keep watching um, your Instagrams uh, and mm -hmm. anything you'll post, and I'm like, yeah, dude, this is such a grinding market. I I yeah. watched a few of Ross's things, and he's just in pure vacation mode. <laughs> he's literally in the Bahamas or in a, yeah, Antigua right now. Antigua, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I was the same way. Like last week, I really did not. I loved taking off last week because I was like, man, this market sucks. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like. This is probably one of the better times. Last year, when I took off that the same ski trip, it was like one of the best weeks, and I felt like I missed a lot. But that's, that's just, frustrating. Yeah, it's never going to be perfect. But yeah, you never know. You never have. Know. You never have any idea what's going to happen when you're out. So, yeah. but it is good to recharge. Uh, last year, I had mm -hmm. like huge green streak when I got back, and I think I kind of made up for missed time. And yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit. It's funny you say that because Ross was saying that also in one of his videos that he put out this week about being on vacation and being self-employed. And it's like, if you're taking time off, obviously you're not making money. But then he went on to talk about when he got back, he felt nice and recharged and he had such a nice green streak after that, that he felt like it made up for just being out of the market that previous week. So it's always hard to know. Yeah, I think you'll never get it right, but it is yeah. important to take off. Like if you feel like like there's a thing in your life that you really want to do, I would always recommend doing it and yeah. really enjoying it and then get back to trading when you have a leveled head. Otherwise, you're you're not going to be there and you're not going to be here and it's going to really stress you out. Um I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's a long game. It's like you can't just not enjoy life in the meantime. And yeah. especially with day trading, like that's a huge part of the reason why I started day trading was to have more flexibility. And then a few years later, you're just like a slave to the market. And you're like, <laughs> I have to be up at this time. I can't miss this. You definitely have to find some balance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we didn't start this, like, I don't know, career path uh, to yeah, be a slave to the market. I mean, that's that's not why we're here. I did. <laughs> Nobody loves that stuff. It's going great. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, your your write ups are always so in depth. I'm always like, I mean, it, you study, you probably take the crown on that one. They're... I fucking hope so. <laughs> I want someone. To, I want. I want somebody to just like be studying way more than me and send me something at like midnight, and they're like, "Look at this shit." And I want to be like, "Fuck, I need to go back to my fucking computer." Because <laughs> there's so many people. I feel like that. uh that pretend like they're trading and they're really not like they just kind of like zombie sit there and like they're like oh this is a bull flag and then they just go to bed you know <laughs> like i think <laughs> you gotta study point. you know kind of like the uh <clears throat> the keyboard warriors who actually don't trade themselves they're like if you were so confident in this why didn't you take the trade yeah yeah yeah, like calling shit out and having hindsight yeah. is the easiest shit ever. Like right. even even seeing something before it happens, that's not the that's not the hard part. The hard part is trading mm -hmm. it. Like the you got to be able to execute. Yeah, yeah. some yeah. of those oh, people yeah, that's super true. Learned about trading it though. I think they they're more they're more in the chat group to interact with people. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. People want friends more than they're trading, really. Especially in this market, it's not easy. It's not going to give you any free money at all. You have to work your ass off to make a dollar now. So and, I wonder yeah, why they would choose like the trading industry to make friends. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Maybe there's better there's, like, there's... like a home brewing group or something. I don't know. Right. And there's other hobbies that are much less stressful. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it's a specific type of person, I think. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Jesus. Um, to I guess get the to get some of the flow going into the what we usually do on the pod. Is there somebody that would want to start off and talk about some of their biggest lessons, uh, either last week, this week? I know we took a last week off, and um, this is officially episode eleven, which is really exciting. So we got our first nice. ten milestones, uh, <clears throat> whatever you want to call that. I don't know. Does someone want to take the floor and like, is there something on, on someone's mind fresh? I know for me, I'm, I'm freshly back. So I'm, it's my first week. So I got something to say. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Um, yeah, I can go just because I do have something sort of fresh from earlier this week. I pulled a, a pretty decent green day into a really solid red day on Tuesday. And, uh, it was like pretty much full tilt, max frustration kind of day. Luckily, it wasn't a huge blowout red day, mm. um, but I was at like peak frustration, mostly because I, I'm finally importing my trades into uh, TraderView. I couldn't do it on Tuesday. I knew I was going to be just so mad about what my daily PL chart looked like. Um, Oh yeah. And and then when yesterday, Wednesday, I just didn't care to. And now so I'm finally looking at it for the first time. And it does make me kind of mad. Um the anxiety. I'll show, you, I'll show you why. Let me share screen. So you should be able to see this, right? Oh Lord. Look at how many opportunities I had to get out with like five hundred dollars in my box in my pocket on Tuesday. I was up like 400 here, 500 down, 500 down, 600, 300, 500, 600, 300, 600, 400, five something. And then finally, make lower like, highs. Yeah. And then finally, like negative 250, negative 600, negative 1000, negative 600, negative. It was just unbelievable. And I was so frustrated. I went from up 300 on, I think it was PYXS, which I've act, I'm green on today. I went from up 300 on that to down 800 on that. I went from up 300 on another stock to like down 200 on it. I just gave back so much profit. Like, obviously, it was a $1,700 swing from, from my highs there. Um, so what I was thinking about with that though, is it's really hard for me to judge when I should stop trading mm. because I've had, and we've talked about this before. I don't have a max loss really, because I have so many times shown that I'm able to climb out of a hole from like, I've come back from a negative two or $3,000 day to being flat or solidly green on the day. Um, and so for me, I don't really have that stat that most people have that's like, when you're red, you should just stop. Um, so it's really hard for me to practice discipline about like 
I'm down a hundred here. So I know that I need to stop. Um, more often than not, I'm like, I'm down a hundred here. I know it's going to take maybe one or two good trades and I'll be solidly back into the green. And I just couldn't find those trades on Tuesday and it just drove me crazy. Um, but I was also realizing with that, that these kinds of days might just be built into my plan because for every day that I have like this, there are probably two or three or four days that I either start in the red like this and I have the opposite kind of day or I'm able to crawl back out of it. So um, that was something that I was thinking about when I had that day on Tuesday afterwards. And it, I was trying to make myself feel better. <laughs> um, and then yesterday was a decent day, um, pretty choppy, as you can see. And then today it's been a really solid day. So um, the chart's not showing right. I'm up actually just about 1300 today. Um, so I'm trying to take that with me. And on Tuesday also, I posted on Instagram. I you guys probably saw it. I was like really frustrating day. But then in my next slide, I was comparing TD Ameritrade lets you look at like your past one month, three months, year all of that and i was still up like 98 percent on the year so i was like all right just try to be green tomorrow get a little distance from it and and go from there so um so that was tuesday wednesday thursday so just trying to take that away um but it's yeah it's just a tough market just trying to do my best 98 percent yeah. on the year is awesome it's so it's ridiculous yeah and uh and td shows it also in comparison to like spy or or mm -hmm. dgia and spy is like up five percent on the year and i'm up 98 percent in <laughs> the end of march and i was like okay i don't yeah, feel a bit alpha bad. feel free to share that um instagram post it was a, it looked really good i i liked it which I, I didn't know tv ameritrade showed that information yeah um how could i show that right now i'm not sure um i can't log into my td obviously while i'm screen sharing but oh no uh, i was gonna say you could share the instagram post if you wanted to that way you don't have to log in i, I think that's where you posted it but right yeah it was on my story oh okay yeah no stress never yeah. mind I'll, I'll share it though uh maybe not now but I'll yeah yeah well, so that's me that's all I got. Yeah, uh, or Colin, please. I was just gonna say that I I hit up Danny like yesterday, and we were just saying how he was like, "Oh, I'm so distraught that I'm red, but it's hard." And I, we were basically just saying like, "You're not gonna be a high level trader if you're not like extremely <laughs> critical of like every single yeah. decision you make at all times," and that's pretty much amongst every profession really but pretty much yeah you had responded to my story and you or uh you'd responded to something and at that point i had gone from up like 300 i was sitting at down 80 on the day so i was like pretty annoyed and you'd responded you were like don't be too hard on yourself and i was like how do you know i'm hard on myself and you're like because you're a profitable day trader so <laughs> i i don't know i think I don't know if there are that many of us that are profitable that aren't probably harder on ourselves than we need to be, at least sometimes. But that's kind of what I'm always looking for is like, 
regardless of how green or red I am on the day, am I at least happy with how I traded? That's a big factor. Yeah, for sure. And always yeah. reviewing and making sure you're studying, even if you have a good green day, it doesn't mean you just go to the bar, you know? <laughs> I was just talking about this in the, in the session I was doing with warrior. Yeah. You always have to start every day from zero. Cause it's like, you have no idea what the next day is going to bring, especially yeah. right now. Only as good as the last trade you took. <laughs> the next trade can blow you up. Right. Yeah. Sometimes red days to me feel better than a green day. Cause like I avoided so much bad stuff and I still did good trading. I just didn't mm -hmm. get resolution maybe. And I'm like, wow, that was like, I feel pretty happy about how I traded today, even if I'm red. And then there'll be a green days where I'm like, oh my, <laughs> that was chaotic. Uh, For sure. Yeah. So I, I agree. As, as long as you're, you're doing good trading, I think that's a successful day. February of 2021 was my biggest green month ever. And uh, I remember I was just stressed out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's yeah, funny. It probably comes with it too, though, on, on the green streaks. Man, I, I remember like I had one of my first $10,000 months. Um, It was like in 2020, maybe, or 20, yeah, 2020. And <clears throat> I was like, I was pumped. I was, you know, it was such smooth trading, but the market was just so consistent. It was like every day we had like 150% gapper that would go up another hundred percent in like a perfect line. And I would just be trading all the, all the breakouts and uh, pullbacks. So man, I can't wait for a market like that again. If, if I was trading yeah. a little bit before then I would have probably been using bigger size and could have had some really big months, but that's fine. The market does that actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've never seen it actually has periods where things like continue and resolve well. What? Yeah. I'm used to false breakouts and then taking a profit right away. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When I was recording myself trading today, I was just like, every little scratch I was up, I was like, I'm taking the profits, you know, yeah. I'll take my 70, 80 bucks on this small size because I just don't see any point of holding any longer than lo and behold, boom, it would just flush or something. Um, um, or you take a loss on that trade and you would have had something. Yeah. <laughs> Pixis had a really nice bear trap uh, earlier today at 1136, that specific candle. If we want to take a look at that, I took that trade. Um, but that's what I've been, that's what I look for very frequently is, is a nice bear trap. Um, the 1136 candle, you can yeah. see before then you've got two topping tail wicks right but it's finding higher lows so basically on a longer time frame i'm looking at that as a an ascending triangle or a bull flag pretty much mm -hmm. um and then so you see that candle at 11:36 that tries to reject and go lower yeah yeah there you go so that's that's pretty much what i'm looking at um you see that 1136 candle that tries to reject and go lower and when it happened it did turn into a nice green candle and then obviously you see the extension through the flat top um that's the trade that i took i saw it try to re to, to go to lows it rejected lows i got in at 576 and i scaled out into the 80s at like 585 um mm. but those are the trades that i look for lately that have been keeping me safer at least 
Yeah, they, I agree. I've been, um, I, I remember we were talking about the bear traps like a mm-hmm. couple, couple sessions ago and I've been looking for them more now. I've been realizing them before the talk. Like I was like, yeah, that's, I agree. But now I feel like I'm actively, um, yeah. Yeah. Being more attentive towards them, which kind of sucks. I feel like that's taken me way too long to, um, yeah, realize a very obvious thing. Um, but it was never, I guess, part of my my go-to strategy, trading traps. But... Yeah, exactly. It wasn't mine either, but I just started noticing that that's very frequently what happens is they get bought up and then into highs. And they're probably going to have a false breakout through the highs. So I take profit quickly. And if it holds up, I can get back in. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't beat yourself up on it, especially if something's not specifically your strategy. It's just adapting to the market and realizing like it's pattern recognition over time is this. I know I've seen it before. I don't recognize it becomes like I kind of recognize it. And then you get to the point where it's like, I recognize this and I think it's a good place to actually take a position now. Yeah. It just takes time. I've seen the same thing over and over. And these choppy markets, low risk setups are are definitely the way to go. So uh, Mm -hmm. bear trap is kind of exactly that. Um, you've got a really solid indicator of support when that happens at least yeah and then you you buy into it even right here where it had the failed move then it popped up higher again you could try to start accumulating but um, yeah. at this point you're buying a little bit high sometimes it throws me off um, these I, are uh, much my go-to right here these 90 may pullbacks I did trade it in there. Once it broke back over 80 again and held that level, I did trade it a little bit more through like six. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I didn't make or lose anything on those trades, though. The the trade with the most edge definitely was that bear trap. Yeah, it's a nice, nice entry. Um, And then you sold it right here on that failed break. I I think you said that's pretty good. Yeah, I I sold it into that pop. Yeah. Yeah, do you buy, I guess buy it right when it bounces, or do you buy it uh, after you see it's rejected and kind of wick reclaiming? Yeah, basically, I, I'm I'm not buying into the rejection because I don't know if it's going to get bought up or be a bear trap at that point. But when I see a bottoming tail get set in and support come in, usually I'll try to get in, um, like right around the point where it was holding before it tried to reject. So. I got in a little bit late, honestly, at five. <clears throat> Actually, I think that I did get in around 562 and I took profit quickly on that bounce. And then when it continued, I took more shares for the breakthrough 580. Um, so I did take that dip into the rejection with some shares, but I was ready to either cut it quickly or I took some profit really quickly too. Um, so it just kind of depends. It's like, do I see a big bid coming in do i see support coming in and then maybe i'll buy it i think probably more frequently i try to get in when it starts to look like it's about to go green or like i'm seeing a lot of green coming in on the tape buying it up yeah makes sense to me i think i had a similar trade today um I think it was maybe this one, but yeah, typically I'll wait for a fail. And then, like you said, once it starts getting bought up, I'll go for it. This one is maybe not the best example because it was a bit of a hammer. So it happened really quick, 
but sometimes you'll expect something to fail. It puts in the second red candle, but then like you could just tell there's buying uh, there. And then you could start kind of crawling that higher. And what else did I trade today? VHC. <clears throat> wow, this one's failed so much, so hard. Um, I, yeah, a I just bit closed out my short on that, actually. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, TD let me short it today. You can see it doesn't tell you if it's easy to borrow or hard to borrow, actually, on yours, too. I just tried it because it seemed weak after that 268 top. It tried that point a couple times and failed, so I went short. That's and point. that's actually my biggest winner today. <laughs> Let's see. Not permitted short uh, on account. Oh, that's because it's a Roth IRA. Um, uh, but yeah, good point. That's a really good point. It doesn't say, but it still works. So it's always worth to try. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. When Once this ticker started capitulating below VWAP, I mean, that was a nice sell-off. That was a really good trend. 40% mm -hmm. roughly. I was surprised because, I mean, look at the daily candle. It's it's a mess. <laughs> the daily is um, a disaster. The daily is could not be more of a disaster. Oh, my um, God. It's just crazy. Yeah, that's ugly. That but ugly. it seemed weak, so. That's before earnings. They come out tomorrow. Interesting. <laughs> that's a weird price action before earnings come out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that kind of sums up the whole market. Like the, none of this makes really any sense. Right. <laughs> so exactly. It's, it's really nice just to leave. Like when I remember trading this one and I didn't trust any of this move because this was a flushy ticker and these were some pretty strong uh, sell-offs on big, like it was basically like this and, you know, big red candle, big red candle, uh, failed breakout, failed breakout. So when this happened, I was like kind of expecting another failed breakout. And then it just kept on trending higher. And I was like, I really don't want to um, want to get FOMO and buy this one high just to have one of these red candles. And then literally after I thought that it happened and I started buying this one on the way down, it popped up, took some profits, popped down again, sized in, popped up here. I didn't think we were going to get a breakthrough two five, but it did. But I just started taking some profits up. Very small share size. I think I was like 2,000 shares. So, I mean, very, very small share size. But um, I, you know, the, the real nice setup was actually this one. This was a five-minute breakout, one-minute pullback, which typically this is a setup I would go really hard on. And this one actually worked out. But yeah, I've, I've been a little bit conditioned to like everything doesn't work, which sucks. I don't like being in that mindset. So I think that's why I called it today because I noticed I wasn't really in the still in the best mindset. And I've been on like, I don't know, three or four green days in a row now. Plus last week was pretty much a total green streak. So I'm, I'm slowly getting that right um, flow again. And I'd rather end up early, uh, end the day early as a, and leave profits on the table. I feel like right now, I think that for me is, is a better way to go about things currently. Yeah, I think you're right, Alex. Like, like you said, you're starting to accumulate green days before you were a little bit discouraged because you were taking taking losses in your swings and you just weren't weren't able to gain traction. But yeah. you seem to be much better headspace now. Even if you only take a two hundred dollar green day, it's it's a heck of a lot more than taking a red day. Yeah, yeah. I was I was just getting kind of getting annoyed at a lot of things. I was like, I need to put a little bit of space between me and the market and. You know, this is this is really one of those markets you just survive until you thrive. And I think, you know, even if 
you know, we do three months of like more grinding or, you know, $200 green days or $500 green days or small red days. Like it doesn't really matter. It's more of just like being ready for when the market picks up and then you know what to do by then. And then you can have those 20, 30, 40, $50,000 months. And then it doesn't really matter what happened in Q1 or Q2. Uh, hopefully even a hundred thousand dollar month. I mean, there's, there's really no reason not to at this point. Yeah. So we just have to wait for the right market conditions. Then we can start sizing. At least that's what I'm, I'm telling myself. <laughs> yeah. The, the headspace is super important too. And it's cool that you were able to recognize that and stop, which I, I sometimes have a lot of trouble with that. I'm always having troubles with that. I think that's why I'm so strict on myself right now. Yeah. I, I used to that's basically good. just keep trading. And I don't know. Really like threw me for a doozy. <laughs> um, let's see here. Does I, I really don't have that much more to share. I mean, that was pretty much like the, the main thing for me is just like getting those green days in, stopping early uh colby or, or toby do you guys want to take the take the floor i can go i'll i'll be pretty quick i'll just show my pnls for the month yeah cool danny looks like he's about to enter a trade <laughs> no i just did i, I was on <laughs> you can tell <laughs> there's always that like blank stare um, <laughs> yeah i was just watching the wint resumption i took a trade off of uh the bounce from 7 to 720 there Nice oh, quick wow. little win. Wow, the market is dumping. Yeah. So this is my PL for the month. It's <clears throat> I need to get be a little bit better. I think I'm a bit aggressive or I'm just not taking the right trades in pre-market and I'm getting myself red early and <laughs> and mm -hmm. then I have to dig myself out of a hole quite often. Um so I need I, I would like to to probably think about what I'm going to do for pre-market a little bit more. I definitely think there's good opportunity there. I just am a little bit too gung-ho and right when right when uh right when the market opens pre-market I'm firing off orders. So <laughs> I need to take my time, be a lot more picky about the the trades I'm getting into. I've made some extra rules like if the if it's not showing up on my gap scanner, I don't trade it now. Mm -hmm. I've one. chased these these tickers that will pop up like 50% or something crazy because of some news, but then they drop off right away and I get caught in those quite often. So um this that's been helping me not get in not get too far deep in the red. Um, but I still need to be a little bit more picky about my setups, I think. Um but overall, I'm pretty happy with the month I've had. On uh, the 13th was a pretty rough day, minus 1,300 bucks. But I made up for it on the the 21st. Was up 2,100 bucks there. That's amazing, man. That's and so then um, solid day. Everything else was pretty. Oh, well, I guess you know the 7th I was down 1,200 bucks as well. So I'm I'm a little bit green for the month for sure. So I'm I'm happy with what's going on. I'm starting to definitely use some more size but i like i said you can see quite often you know one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven 
12, 13, 14. And today I was red. So, you know, almost half of my trading days or more over half the trading days. <laughs> I'm starting out red before the the market opens at 930. So it'd be a lot less stressful, I think, if I were green or at zero still. Yeah. And then maybe a little bit less decision fatigue. The, the pre-market has been so bad lately. I've been literally taking naps, which I used, used to never do. But I'm like, well, I, uh, if I stare at the market until the market open, that's two hours till two and a half. And then like, maybe nothing's going to happen again till not like 10 o'clock. So that's three hours of staring at the market. And then that's like, just mm -hmm. you're just kind of exhausted at that point, um, mentally, emotionally, physically. And then... Yeah, so I'm like, let me take a nap and then I'll wake up refreshed and then I'll kind of hit the market again, which is a bit weird, but it's been working. Yeah, I came into the market late this morning. I was like, it was just, I wasn't, I didn't want to get up. I'm on Pacific <laughs> time here. So my alarm went off and I was like, why would I get up? Yeah. Um, finally, I just had one of those days. I was like, nothing has been worth trading before like 9.45 or 10 or so. And um so true. You know, every now and then we go through a period like this, and then there's something that's just like crushing pre-market and just flies at the open. Um, but I was like, odds are low. I'm gonna stay in bed. And it worked out well today. But... It worked out well today. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the this is not the phase where you like, you know, you want to spend those four weeks where you're going extra hard, you know, save that energy for another time. Yeah. Exactly. That's a huge point is like, this is not the time to be like maxing out your emotions and your, yeah. and your composure, which unfortunately I got real sucked in on Tuesday and I kind of did, but, um, I guess I, I think I realized that and quickly corrected. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That was a nasty running P and L with all those rejections around 500 and then they're just the downtrend it's um my pnl is going to be crazy today <laughs> i'll make sure I'll, I'll put it on discord because like i told you uh vktx i was down a thousand then back to even on ems i think it was i was down six seven hundred back to even <laughs> so i'm making like this so it's so frustrating i'm making like I'm looking at my my statistics. Yeah. I'm making a lot of money. I'm just yeah. losing a lot of money at the same time. And if I can cut some of those losers or reduce the amount of losses, I can have pretty solid green days. Yeah, consistently. You're I've just definitely gone through what that period. To at this moment to to kind of break that habit. Yeah. I've definitely gone through periods like that where you're like, I'm making great money but i'm also losing like almost all of it it's like yeah and then that's, how but I that's, am. that's a good problem to have i think because then it's like just figure out how to avoid those losses and you're great uh but that's hard i guess yeah because <laughs> yeah, i would be like looking fast at like the last four to five days it's like two to three thousand dollars in profits and yeah almost exactly that amount maybe i'll walk away with 200 bucks and well, I should have walked why, away with 800. Why do you think that's happening? Where do you think you're going wrong on some of those trades? Well, a lot of it is I'm getting myself in trouble early, and then I do like mm -hmm. an amazing job at the end and make a bunch of 
solid trades and get green get yeah. green so i know how to make those trades i just i think yeah. that i put too many feelers out early mm-hmm. and then sometimes and then get, i like i get pissed get, like, off and double my share size down yeah paper cut to death and then i'll yeah be pissed off and be like okay i'm yeah. down 500 from three yeah. paper cuts and then i'll just double my share size oh now i'm down a thousand yeah okay, now i'm the focus <laughs> exactly yeah i have definitely been through those phases people used to joke that i needed to start the day off red to have like a solid day because then i would get aggressive on good setups and i would make it back um it finally eventually i think i got a handle on just like not having the drawdown first yeah. <laughs> But I definitely know what you mean there. That's the stage I'm in. But that you made a good point. Like, I think that when I don't have a drawdown and I'm green, then I don't get that aggressive on the yeah. on the good setups. And I'll make like 50 bucks on it. So then I just have like these measly little green days if I'm start out green too. So um definitely when I see the opportunity, I I load up now, even when I'm yeah, really red, exactly. get myself back to green. So that's a good point. That was a key for me too, I think, is just feeling like really comfortable and taking small size and small wins on the things that I know are pretty much my best setups. And I think one thing that has really helped and changed my trading recently is that I've started to become more aggressive from the start on the setups that I like know are good. I try to keep that in mind because I'm like, I know that if I were red on this, I would probably be taking like two or three or 4,000 shares instead of like 1,000 or 1,200. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a great trade where um, I I just, I think before I had that realization, it's just capitalizing on your best trades regardless of where you're at instead of being just super comfortable and sort of complacent about like, that was a great setup. Why didn't I take it with more size? Yeah. Right. Or I sometimes what I'll do is... Uh... I'll take it with small size and it will just keep running up, up and up. And then by the time I'm deciding to go big size, then we'll start to. to yeah, turn exactly. Oh man. That is my, that's my special move. <laughs> like <laughs> you want to see a cool trick. <laughs> yeah. Five solid trades at like, I don't know, let's say 2000 shares. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of, I'm finally in the flow time to size my next first, you know, 3x that or 4x that size i give it all back in one trade i'm like Whoa. yeah that's that's the worst but if you did that huge trade the first two or three times yeah you'd be away from the day and only make three trades yeah it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing because then there's also the flip side where like oh a hot new ticker pops up let me trade it with big size and all of a sudden you take a big loss on it and you're like why did i just get super super aggressive on a ticker i have no idea what's happening on like so there's there's like the two ends of the spectrum usually my first trade on a ticker I'll I'll do like slightly half size but then I try to if I like it I try to get aggressive really quickly after that because I think Toby you you, you said um like you're trying to avoid those tickers that just pop up out of nowhere and I, I won't I don't trade them in pre-market anymore because yeah I I tend to unless it really proves itself and then keeps moving and make and it makes a couple of setups yeah then i'll then i'll look at it but otherwise too too often it just pops and then goes straight back down to where it started and it's like no room for error there those tickers are crap for me as well so like that's a classic example if i do trade it i'll trade with half size first just to feel the order book out 
And then if I actually like how it trades, then I'll, I'll size up again. But yeah, that's, that's one of those classic tickers where God, God forbid you, you know, go big size right away. You get dumped on. You're like, that was so idiotic. Um, <laughs> I know like Ross Cameron will do that really well. He'll like ticker with like 20,000 shares being traded per minute. It doesn't even look good. And he just goes like super ham in it. I'm like, there's yeah it's incredible there are there's one or two other guys in uh with warrior who are like even better than that like jess jess is one of my good friends that was who i was on the session with earlier um he'll just take a trade the daily looks great the the longer term patterns look great the short term time frame it's like this candle has like three thousand shares of volume but it starts breaking levels and volume comes in and it's like i saw jess hit a trade at like 19 and there's no volume nothing's happening and he's selling at 29 a few minutes later uh it's incredible on some of those trades we haven't been seeing a whole lot of those ones really resolve well lately but uh it's pretty impressive do are they creating like their own volume that other traders see that and then they jump on it <laughs> yeah. like because i'm wondering yeah. like there's no this doesn't make no like, that's what it is yeah um this they i mean maybe their volumes coming in something like that but then we were talking about it and you kind of realize like you send a limit order if assuming there's no hidden sellers and no algos and this is one of the things that on those low volume stocks it, i think is kind of true there's no algos on them providing because when you see super high volume, heavily traded stocks, that's algos. And it's algos taking money from retail traders. And those lower volume stocks, you're buying on the ask. It's actually taking those shares from the ask. So it's sending it higher. And then whatever you don't fill on the ask there, that becomes the bid. So as it goes higher. And so you send your order, maybe other people see that bid that you just created. And it's kind of like self-fulfilling um yeah. Yeah. it's super interesting or sometimes algos see that spike in volume and they get tripped and they come in and start buying and then it goes up and up and up and, yeah. and you sell into the bid that the algo is making it's super crazy yeah it's a different trading style it's it's interesting you just gotta i think i would be a little bit nervous with the slippage potential like if it doesn't work out but who knows? me too exactly who knows I, but yeah. I love to I love to watch it. I love to see what other traders are doing. I'm like sometimes fascinated at all the the thousand ways to skin a cat kind of that trading provides. Exactly. Yeah. One of the one of the guys in there, Manoli, he has a two and a half million dollar badge. So we have badges in the Warrior chat room to show verified profits. You have to send in your broker statements and like it's very legitimate. Um, they have a compliance team that verifies that you actually made that money. So uh he and i both trade started trading around winter of 2020 he's made over two and a half million in the market he's a prodigy basically um but he was telling us about this story one time he was on tilt and there was this penny stock it was like it was trading around a dollar or something like that and he got pissed off and he just started slamming it like ten thousand shares ten thousand ten thousand i think he said he worked up to like an 80,000 share position an algo spike came in it spiked up from like one dollar to two dollars and he uh scaled out as the bid the algo came up for him and he made like 80 grand or something in that super short trade there and 
that that story in particular just kind of opened my eyes a little bit about like what is actually happening in the market. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of bots that yeah, if you can you can almost play them sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> most of the time they're they're trying to play us. So that's yeah. what's so hard about this current market is the fact that like I feel like uh at least in large caps, I can tell that the big players are not participating. Yeah. They're not here at all. Because why the fuck if you have a billion dollars, buy bonds. He'll get four percent. Okay. This the spy is not an asset that no, anyone wants to purchase right now. So it's like, you know it's hard for the spy to trend whenever there's, it's just low volume every day. The R vol is like 0.5. So like on a 15 day period, it's only doing half of the average and it's just getting lower and lower and lower and lower. And it's like the market just sits now and waits for some kind of economic shock. And then it rallies for two to three days. And then it just sits there. And like, even yesterday and the day before the spies rallying, the futures at least are rallying like 35 points in the fucking pre-market and the post-market. And then it opens and the entire day's range is 15 points. How yeah. the fuck are we moving 30 points in the pre-market and the entire day from top to bottom is 15 points? It's like, that's ridiculous. They're not, no one wants to be in this market. And like this, it's funny because this is the first week in the last like three months where we have really no big economic data. There's no CPI. There's no rate hike. There's no jolt job numbers. There's no, the only thing that's happening is spending and income numbers on Friday, but on Monday through Thursday, we had nothing going on. And, and I was like excited for this week. Cause I was like, Oh shit, we're actually going to see move like a move this week. That's going to be a trend that will continue because there's not a big shock that's going to happen. And it's like, nothing happens. So even the big money, they're just waiting for this data to come out and just change the probability of the 25 basis point hike next month from like 2% to like 100 overnight. And the market just, everything just gets flipped on its head. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Even- Do you think there's like um, the chances of a big, big sell-off again? Like what What are you waiting? Are you waiting for anything? Well, yeah, I am actually. Let me <laughs> share my screen. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to take the floor anyway, or as well. Um, the spy is having decreasing volume on the daily every single day now, and it's grinding higher. And I feel like mm. uh, everything is just slowly building up to something big that's going to happen. I don't know why it's not showing the volume. <clears throat> um, oh, I'm on futures. That's why. Slowly grinding up to that level. Look at this. Look at how the volume is just decreasing. Hmm. More and more, but we're just slowly moving higher. Obviously, we're grinding up there, but then this is just slowly coming down. I yeah, feel like divergence. Yeah, everyone's waiting for either like infinite quantitative easing from the Fed, where it's just like, you know what? We don't give a fuck. We're going to bail out all the banks anyway. We're going to keep printing money and the U.S. is going to be the number one fucking economy for the history of time and that's it. And, and that's we'll pretty deal much... with the fallout in the next five or ten years instead. Yeah, we'll just yeah. push it back another five years and then just continue that cycle because that's literally yeah. what we've been doing for forever. This is yeah, the first time ever. Just... Yeah, the first time ever in recession that we have QT, you know, even 2008, like we were just easing the fuck out of that whole entire situation. Yeah. So 
I really feel like the whole market is just gearing up for either a massive capitulation or mm -hmm. a slow grind higher where it's just like the bull market from 2013 to 2019, basically, where it's just like a 0.1% yeah. increase every single day, you know? Yeah, nobody really trusts it, but it just keeps going. And why would you? I mean, if you can get 4% in a bond, like why would you trade the SPY when it's so difficult to just maybe make 10%? You know, you've run the risk of losing 10%. I just buy a bond if I had a hundred fucking billion dollars, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's but, interesting that you're talking about how difficult it is to trade the SPY right now. Cause I've heard other people who typically trade market talking about that as well. It's like, why yeah. would you trade? There's no clear direction. There's no clear volume. It's grinding up, but not on any kind of conviction. Yeah. Like, look at this. I mean... So I have a couple of stats in, in here that just go, they illustrate this point perfectly. So whenever I'm talking about micro timeframes, I'm talking about just like a 30 minute time frame. What's happening on the 30 minute? Are we in an uptrend? Well, if we're in an uptrend on the 30 minute and I go long that day, that's a continuation of the micro. So we're in an uptrend here. If I go long at any point in this entire big move, I'm going with continuation to the upside. Whereas if I'm going short, I'm reversing the micro time frame, And then same thing with the intraday. Like, where are we at from the opening print? Are we down on the day and I'm going to go long? Well, then that's a reversal. Are we up on the day? Am I going to go long? That's a continuation. So in a trending market, what you should get is a micro continuation and an intraday continuation because we're making higher lows, higher highs. So you go long, right? And if you look at my stats, that is like my worst performing thing that's happening right now. So I have a 15% win rate on that strategy where I'm continuing with the trend. My risk reward is decent because that's just how I trade, but it's like the worst one I have. Um, and then the one where I'm going, where I'm reversing that trend and reversing the intraday, that's my best stat, which is so fucked up because all last year I was going for reversals just consistently every single day, all the time. That's all I wanted was a reversal because it has such a high risk reward. And coming from small caps, I want that, you know, and uh, it's just hilarious that this is reversing the 30 minute time frame and reversing the intraday. So if we're up on the day, I'm still reversing that. And this is my highest profitability uh, trading style. And that's just, yeah. I don't have that much stats on it because I only started labeling everything like this for like two months, but it's just disgusting. And there's nothing you can really even do about it. I mean, the other day I had, uh, my biggest trade ever in terms of just how much I captured of the move. So like this is the futures and the market open right here at nine 30. So from nine 30 to six to four o'clock, it basically was flat the whole day. Like we move up, down, up, down, whatever. And from the top of the day to the bottom, it was about like a 26 point move. And I made 21 points out of that 26. Nice. Wow, so that was a solid. Yeah, so like I got 77% of that full day's price action. That's that's awesome because like you yeah. think about most moves and if I catch like a third of a move, I feel like that's pretty successful. That's very successful. Yeah, like normally I would 10% of a day is like decent for me. I'm like, <clears throat> you know, uh, of a move at least. Like if I would have shorted right here and I got like 10% of this big ass move to the downside, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be mad about it. But mm -hmm. recently I'm trying to ask myself more questions like, why am I selling this position? Like, I want to really dive into that and think, 
you know, there's so many times where I'm selling a position just because I'm up 10 points. So like the mm -hmm. ATR on the spy is about two points a day. So if we're going to move about two points on average every single day and I get one point out of two, I'm getting on average about 50% of the entire spies move. That's pretty damn good. That's like my goal for the day usually. That's but recently, recently I'm trying to ask myself like, if I'm up 10 points and I'm in a downtrend, why the fuck would I, why would I cover if I'm shorting and I'm up 10 points and, and we're in a downtrend? There's no point to cover until the trend is technically broken. So mm -hmm. on this day, um, I took a loss right here. So that negated about like 35 to 40% of the profits I made on this short. But whenever I was in this short, I was up 10 points about in this zone. And I was just asking myself, like, why am I selling this if the entire market is moving lower? And something that I've been doing a lot more is looking at the sectors within, uh, the, within the SPY. So obviously the SPY has, I don't know if it's 10 sectors, but only like only, only 10 of them really actually matter. But this, this could get a little too technical for people that are trading small caps, but, uh, mm -hmm. These sectors are basically all risk on sectors. So semiconductors like NVIDIA, right? Every time the SPY is green a little bit, NVIDIA is green 10%. ARKK, that's obviously a risk on uh, ETF. XLY, XLK, XLK is tech. XLY is consumer uh, discretionary. The Qs are the NASDAQ, obviously. And then UVXY is volatility. So if, the, if you're going to truly have a risk on day where you're going to want to buy at the open and you're selling at the end of the day, so you're getting a massive trend, you want this, the stock market to be buying all of these assets and selling all of these. Because yeah. if, the, if the economy is going to be doing fine, you don't need to buy gold. You don't need to buy silver. You don't need to buy energy. You don't need to have um, healthcare. You know, no one is buying those assets whenever the risk on is on. But the thing that's been happening recently is the market will have risk on and risk off all going up or down at the same exact time, which makes the SPY just stay together, right? Because if you think about it, the whole point of these big hedge funds is to hedge. They're not just buying one type of asset. They're going to uh, rotate from one to another. So whenever they're buying tech, they're selling defensive. Whenever they're buying defensives, they're selling tech. And that's what creates those clean trends to the upside. But the problem is right now, they're going to be buying and buying defensive and offensives at the same exact time. So the market just stays in one little area because you'll look at financials and you're like, holy shit, financials are down 2% on the day of the sector. But uh, you'll look at like healthcare and it's like up 2% on the day, or you're looking at utilities and it's up 2%. You want to see utilities and healthcare go down while financials are going up or vice versa, whatever. But I don't know. It's just something that I've really been trying to pay attention more to. And the more I pay attention to it, the more I realize, holy shit, this is like extremely complicated and uh, it's just hard to follow. But yeah. And then even this down here, like, this is the volume delta. So it's basically the change in up volume to down volume. And, you know, like all day today, we have a three, like a three, two to three X buy volume to sell volume. But then look at the spy. It's going down. How is that even possible? You know, like how are three X as many people buying spy as selling it and it's moving lower? 
you know, like the advanced decline line. This is how many stocks in the NASDAQ are moving down or up today. They're all, it went from 2000 at the open the whole way down now to 911. That's how many stocks are green on the day. So I could literally just do this forever. So I'm just going to stop. I think but, that uh, just speaks to conviction because like, it doesn't make sense that there's more buying than selling, but it's going down. So people are just buying as it's going lower. Mm -hmm. But and, I mean, uh, there just must be so much liquidity and availability in the market to continue buying at lower prices. Yeah. yeah. It's, like it must be, it must be our... very imbalanced. <clears throat> yeah. Let me show you one more thing. And there's there's sectors that are just down 70, 80%. So it's hard not to want yeah. to buy certain things. He, Michael Burry is obviously <clears throat> the biggest idiot of all time, but uh, <laughs> he said, if you go back to the 1920s, there has been no generation like you that is buying the dip. And if you look at this right here, this is a chart that's telling you the efficacy of the strategy of buying the dip. And right now it's one of the best times ever. So it, I really feel like oh, more, yeah, more retail is participating than ever in the market and retail goes long. Retail does not short. Okay. That is not how it works. And I really feel like this move that's just slowly coming up higher, it's dumb money, which is us retail. They're buying the dip and the big Ooh, players are just... <laughs> The big money, the guys that are trading bonds that are trading like true risk assets, they're not touching the stock market. They don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. So that's why I feel like we're just leading up to some either big capitulation event or just infinite quantitative easing. It's really hard to know what they would prefer to have happen. Like we really haven't faced, and especially the people in power have not faced any real repercussions for just continuing to print money. So it kind of makes me think like, why wouldn't they just keep doing that? I'm not sure. But then on the other hand, you also see banks worth a couple hundred billion dollars that mismanaged money. And like, can we, we made a mistake. Can we please have like $300 billion? Did and now it's see... the government's problem. So I don't know. Uh, the one Fed QE chart. Damn it. I'm not going to know how to find this. But people post it all the time. But over the last... Okay, I got it. Um, <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> the Fed website's actually really nice. They have a lot of resources on there. But yeah, if you amazing. look at... If you look at this... Can I tighten this up? Two thousand seven. Yeah, I don't want to be in two thousand seven. Let's go to twenty seventeen. Whatever, just do it. Um, this is whenever the bear market started at the top, right? So this is quantitative tightening, which means the Fed is le is lessening their balance sheet, right? Look at how long it takes for us to just go slowly, slowly, slowly lower, and then FRC, <laughs> SIVB, boom! In like, it was like one day. We deleted mm -hmm. like six months of QE, right? In one day. And they mm -hmm. don't give a shit, you know? Like, and the thing that sucks too is all these small banks, these regional banks that are just getting crushed. Nobody's putting money in regional banks now. They're all going to the big five, like JP Morgan and, you know, Bank of America, all these companies. They're not going 
the, all the money is just going back into these massive monopolies and it's like where does this end yeah i don't know and it's that's feeling why very dystopian it does it really does and the market is showing you that that is the that is the truth like it's not even like yeah. there's a disconnect between reality no the market is literally lessening volume every single day and slowly increasing probably because of this fucking spike right here because every time the fed spikes money into the market what happens the market just slowly grinds higher the retail's buying the dip it's like <clears throat> i don't know it's just such a it's such a weird environment to be involved in the markets it's a very interesting time i think that it's one of those times that is like it's going to either bankrupt a lot of people or it's going to make a lot of other certain people much more wealthy than they were oh for sure i mean it's gonna make us pretty fucking wealthy in the future because if we can trade in this environment holy yeah. shit can you imagine what's going to happen whenever the market actually just has a direction at all? Even if yeah. the market is just going to slowly decline for a year, that's fucking awesome. I'll As short the fuck direction out of it. is great. Yeah. The indirection yeah. is what makes it so difficult. Yeah. Like, like just give me something that's predictable in, yeah. in some way. A lot of people on the sidelines too, which makes it hard. You just feel yeah. the lack of uh, sometimes just money there. There's lack of follow through and people buying right. or selling. <laughs> Even, uh, damn, how many times am I going to share my screen and then just stop sharing? But uh, look at look at how crazy, the, we haven't moved anywhere in the market in a full year. So this entire zone is just is that nothing. the last year? That's the last year. That's so depressing. Isn't that sad? Well, look at this. This is May, May 6th of last year. Um. And we haven't moved. We're still in that same exact spot. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, it could be worse, though. I kind of look at that as a as a pro. That we're it's good finding if you're, like bullish ish, you know. Yeah, like, I mean, we had way like more such, a, such an extension on the overall market. It had to come back at some point, and I mean, we're just chopping around for the last couple of months, as you see there, obviously, but at least it's sort of just going sideways overall. And I mean, on the five, 10 year time frame, that probably looks like a bull flag. Yeah. It's it, actually it a really definitely valid point. Does. If you, if you think about like your, your basically like basic, my trading P and L right mm -hmm. now, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm not bleeding cash. I'm just kind of like, you know, yeah. up and down a little bit. It's just waiting. Yeah. So it's, in a way, it is yeah. a positive thing because you're not. It's just a bit there. of a pullback. What what time frame is that? So this is a dot com bubble. Okay. GFC. Oh yeah, this is the monthly. Yeah, and then this is current recession. Uh, but we're looking COVID. on what is this? Is a monthly? This is a month. Yeah, one month. So this is nineteen ninety nine, two thousand eight. So twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one. I feel like it could make a lot of sense for the market to hold and maybe consolidate and fluctuate between where it is like right now and like 4,400. Yeah. Yeah. Last time I did like basically, yeah. I mean, from, from dot com crash to like 2012, it was, had didn't make a new high. So yeah. Like, like if you, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. If you, if you invested right here, you That's... broke even one time in 08. You lost it all again, and then you didn't make money 
wow. for. 4,575 days. That is yeah, wild. That's pretty much 12, 13 years, depending on. It It makes me think, number one, thank God I'm young. And number two, should I have anything invested long term in like market trending index type stocks right now? Or should I just be managing all of that myself? Because I can, I know question. that I can do better than seven percent per year. Yeah, it's yeah, a good I question. Mean... And if you look at Japan, their their market basically hasn't gone up, and they're like constantly just trending. So like, it is, it is. I think one of the best trading strategies in the world has been proven by like the turtle traders, where it's like you just ride the trends, and then yeah. when there's no more trend, you get out basically. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I I, try, I have this debate so much with myself because as you start accumulating cash on the sidelines, it starts like looking like a like what a, kind of like a waste, like a like just an opportunity cost of just having it sit there. We've had this conversation before, um, and in a way, a pile of cash is a lot of peace of mind. So there is there is benefits in it. But yeah, mm -hmm. what do you what do you do? You just put it in the SPY, or you know, do you want to maybe find some trends to ride? Right. DC I, yeah. I would put it in more bonds right now. I mean, why not? Right. Yeah, that's definitely also... have bonds and like last year was the worst portfolio for the 60-40 ever. Last worst year for the 60-40 stocks bonds. Yeah. So like right now is probably the first time in a really long time that bonds are actually attractive. I mean, look at look at this is just funny, but the Great Depression. Uh if you bought at the top of the Great Depression, you didn't make money for, what is that, 25 years? That's freaking That smart. is the Great Depression. Yep, 25 years. You didn't make money until 1955. That's when it broke out of the 1929. Good God. That is Buy fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And then here's whenever we had inflation. It was like, whoa, 10%. And then Paul Volcker like destroyed the entire economy. Mm, I'm not gonna lie, this has a little bit of an exponential vibe to it. Um, a parabolic move. I mean, look at this Small shit. Cap. <laughs> what is that? That's two thousand days at two hundred percent. Yeah, five year wow. period. How does Tim Sykes say this is this is his supernova chart? <laughs> what really does is, uh, yeah. what does Jim Cramer say about this right now? <laughs> Go long US. <laughs> this morning he tweeted something oh, no. or said something that was not. like uh <laughs> it feels like the good times are back. He said something like that this morning. <laughs> no. Yeah. Tomorrow. No, Disaster. seriously. It's over. <laughs> good luck. Uh yeah. What a crazy. I love I mean, it. It's fun to be in the market, honestly. Is, uh, For sure. I think it it definitely makes you pretty well rounded as as like a person, and especially at a younger age to be able to understand and talk about all this stuff because it's so important. And, and unless you studied finance at university, most people don't know any of this stuff. And even if you did study finance in school, you still don't get the experience of actually dealing with it. It's mm -hmm. just it's really interesting to have such a uh, direct connection to it. Yeah, it really is. I mean, in, in a way, we are pretty much 
guaranteeing. I mean, it's it'd be pretty hard to suck at investing uh, if you're just going to do dollar cost averaging. But even just day trading alone, like if we have this skill for 20 years, holy right. shit! Like think of the size that we use now. Like last, like I started trading like two and a half years ago. Last year, my goal was literally to make like ten dollars a day. And like yeah. this year, my goal is to make like around a hundred. That's that'd be like a good day for me. And it still feels like nothing to me right now because I can't use that for really anything in my actual life. But at the same time, like that's a 10x increase. And it feels like I'm just sitting here stagnant. But if I look back, I'm like, wow, I 10x'd my shit from last year. And then hopefully I can do it again next year. But if yeah. you compound that over time. Like money is not the only thing that compounds knowledge does too, mm -hmm. you know, like if you have all this knowledge of this really, you know, tactical and hard environment of trading, and then it gets easy again, like we can make $10 million in one year, you know, yeah. in the future someday. There are retail traders who have done it. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. The only difference, like if you have a winning strategy, either over time or statistically with accuracy or win versus loss, the only difference is bigger share size yep. Yeah, and obviously managing emotions with that, but. And probably and some like, old times, like I can't be scalping as much as I am if I'm doing right, like yeah. It depends on the liquidity. Like if I'm trying to take a hundred thousand shares, maybe I don't get that position in one candle anymore. Yeah. Like I can get a few thousand, no problem, but. That's why I love large caps. Cause I'm pretty much never going to be capped at all with size. Yeah. 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 And it's I'll be trading the same kind of shit. Power hey, well, well, Jack, Jack Kellogg, he, he does what? Like $1 million position sizes on OTCs. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. I guess crazy. anything's possible. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The other thing wow. that's really interesting too about uh the markets is the fact that like yes, we are going to have all this like uh knowledge about how to manage our money, how to make money, XYZ, whatever. But the emotional aspect of trading and how much you have to learn to just kind of roll with the punches, like it's such mm -hmm. a it's like I genuinely okay, when I first started trading, I my mental health declined. For sure, because it's just extremely stressful. You're so hard on yourself. Like if you're not like green, you think you're just failing whenever being just break even is actually a massive W for a retail <laughs> trader. And yeah. uh, like now that I'm out of that and I'm kind of just okay with like having break even months or okay with having a break even week or being slightly green or whatever. Now I realize like this is never going to change. Like it's always going to be the same, but like when, now that I'm, when I'm slightly green on a month, it might be like four or $500. Okay. Like in the future, that could be five, $5,000 or $50,000, you know, 20, 10, 10, 20 years in the future. And, yeah. uh, like these little lessons that you learn about your emotions, like, like even this week, I'm just questioning so much, like, why am I selling this trade? And, and a lot of the reasons why I'm selling a trade is because of money. Like I want to make the 10 points and it's like a $50 trade. I'm like, that's a good trade. But at the same time, if I'm a going to fundamentally always have that same idea, I will never have big winners because I'm selling because of a reason that has nothing to do with price action. It has everything to do with what I think is a good trade, you know, and those things, they just add up so much over time. And I just know that at some point, like people that look outside of the market, they'll be like, oh, you're just a trader. You're not like adding anything to society. You're not doing well, to be honest, like this is probably the most 
difficult and like personal growth type thing that you could do ever because it's not really like any other thing where I just buy a company, a brick and mortar company. I'm trying to sell a product or yeah. I'm just, you know, an employee forever. Like, yeah, there's just so much value in the market that's beyond monetary. Yeah, I totally you, agree with that. You evolve as a, as a person through trading. You have so, to. I, I think your, your mustache has made you smarter. <laughs> 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 Daniel Day Lewis, baby. <laughs> there will be blood. <laughs> I totally agree with that perspective. I think you have to grow as a trader. And I, it's also interesting talking about mental health at like various phases of learning to trade because I've I've probably went through similar as well while I was learning. Um, but then to your point of like taking profit or taking your position off just because it looks like a dollar amount that is like big to you or like you should. Any a dollar, any dollar amount that we could probably ever make in the market on one trade, like the mark, it doesn't, it's minuscule for the overall market. Market doesn't care about us in any way. And that's something that I've tried, that I've worked on too. And just like, hold, if it's going my way, I'll let it try to, I'll try to let it stop me out or give me a reason to sell. Um, I took a trade on a M a PLM earlier, new IPO today. Um, I got a couple dollars a share out of it and ju it just so happened as I was scaling out selling partial position that I was left with one share and I just let it ride for as long as I could. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, I made a couple extra bucks for that one share at least. And that might translate to something. It's just a good habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I, I try to practice that sometimes as well. Just trying to be in the market a little bit just to get used to it. Mm -hmm. um, with like more share or a small share size, like let it run. Let me. Yeah. Uh, it's like, why not? If it keeps paying you, why not? Yeah. All right, guys. I think we probably have to go ahead and call it here before it, we hit some record and like He's watching. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm watching that too. Did you see that resumption? How nasty. And then it dumped. That was a horrible resumption. Pyxs. Oh yeah. I'm happy to say that I'm plus $36 now. I'm not red anymore. There you go. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That was a wild roller coaster. It was Oof. minus 1500 probably at one point. Oh, man. Nice. So, now you can post your P&L. <laughs> and no, run I'm going to go for at least a couple hundred. It's not <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah, right. I'm watching P PYXS. Maybe see if it can get back over 680. Could give us something to work with. We'll see. I got a feeling it will probably pump during power hour. I've got some kind of, I mean, this stock is so heavily manipulated yesterday and the day before were the two days that have been moving this week and, and Monday too. Um, but every time it hit 410, it would reject back down to like 380 and then grind back up, reject just, just constantly. Um, and now it's finally grinding up, but it's it's obvious that there's still someone holding it down or unloading shares. There's something funny going on in this one. Yeah, What's the float. It's it's 36 million float, so uh, that's a lot. Yeah, not super low, which that definitely kind of makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if an algo would attack anything below 20 million. 
Dude, that rally on it. Was yeah, crazy. they do sometimes. One of the giveaways for me that I shouldn't be trading something is how many times it's rotated its float and like mm. not not had any sort of resolution. If it's rotated its float more yep. than once or twice and hasn't been able to make any sort of move, I'm immediately not interested anymore. Mm. Yeah, that's proof that so. someone's locking it up for sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's a great point. So, we're coming up to one times float rotation on this and it is moving. So maybe yeah. it just needs more volume. I don't know. It's definitely <laughs> a little tricky though. Well, I guess good luck, Danny and Toby. If you guys keep trading this one, let us, let us know how it goes. And then... <laughs> I don't know if I will. I'm sitting on a nice day now and I got other stuff to do. So yeah that's how i feel as well yeah i want to keep pressing my luck <laughs> all right well at least you're back in the green so that's a good start it's yeah. a good place to start from rather than being red still yeah. exactly i was i was minus 260 or 270 when we started the podcast there you go yeah nice nice redemption <clears throat> all right guys then uh it was a nice, nice getting back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was good. I feel like we covered a lot of good topics, which was really good. Um, sweet. Then I'll see everyone in the Discord. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Sounds see you good. Later. Thank you, guys. See ya.